A reading from the Gospel according to St. Luke, the first chapter. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying, and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great, and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son, and this is the sixth month with her who is called barren, for nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. In those days Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah. And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent empty away. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy, as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his offspring forever. And Mary remained with her about three months, and returned to her home. In the name of Jesus, amen. God's ways are not our ways, and our ways are not God's ways. When the angel Gabriel visited Mary, he said, Behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, 
and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Jesus, the Son of God, is born Lord of all, and God gives to him the throne of his father David. The church is not a democracy. It's not even a constitutional monarchy. The Father is almighty, and all authority in heaven and on earth is given to Jesus. The kingdom of God, well, it is a kingdom. And yet, then if you go on in the reading and you listen to the Magnificat, the song that Mary sang, the song that we will sing right after the sermon, you might think that, well, now all of a sudden it sounds like God, who has just established an eternal throne for the king, that God's actually maybe some kind of socialist? I mean, did you catch what she said? God has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent empty away. God turns things upside down. He humbles those who are exalted, and he exalts the humbled. The last will be first, and the first last. And as you read the New Testament, the book of Acts in particular, you find that this is exactly what happened in the church. They had all things in common and shared with everyone as they had need. And our most common reaction, I found, to these seeming contradictions is usually to pick which aspect suits us best and then try to explain away the other. And we do this not just because we don't want to deal with things that we don't like, but because we often imagine, despite, I think, knowing that this is not true, that God's ways are like our ways. We imagine that what God is doing must fit into the way that we ourselves interact with the world. But God's ways are not our ways, and our ways are not God's ways. They simply don't match up. And the more we learn about the ways of God, the more this gap grows. Sometimes we call them contradictions, sometimes paradoxes. The virgin gives birth to a son. She cradles in her arms the one who holds the universe in his hand. The king is servant of all. The life of the world dies. The cross is the tree of life. You are sinner and saint. Those who lose their life keep it for eternal life. But these things are only contradictions or paradoxes according to our ways. There is no contradiction or paradox in God. He is who he is. And there is no contradiction or paradox in what God does, only in our experience of it. The past couple of Wednesdays, we've heard from the scriptures about how God created the world and he made it very good. And yet we can only see the truth and the reality of that statement in Christ. Our experience of this world is anything but very good. Indeed, as we heard last week, we dwell in a land of deep darkness, a darkness that penetrates our own hearts. And yet Christ, our light, has come into that darkness and put all of death's shadows to flight. And all of that means that, if you think about it, in a way it actually makes perfect sense that we experience the work of God as a kind of contradiction or paradox. Because that is actually the evidence, you might say, of our salvation. Because ours is not a world that simply needs to get tidied up. We're not simply one more good idea short of salvation. Rather, our world needs to be turned completely upside down or actually turned right side up. Since everything has gone wrong, everything 
needs to be put to rights. God's ways are not our ways, and that is good news. The great reversal of the ways of this world is the saving work of God for you, that He has shown strength with His arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich He has sent empty away. He has helped His servant Israel in remembrance of His mercy, as He spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his offspring forever. This great reversal is God's reordering of the world in relation to Christ. And this happens both in the world around us and within us. We too must be reordered, renewed in Christ. That is why the Christian life is rooted in baptism, in our regeneration through the Word of God made flesh, the one who is, as we sang, woman's offspring pure and fresh. And like the Virgin Mary, we may very well ask repeatedly, how can these things be? And the answer is the same for you as it was for Mary. This is not possible from man, but nothing will be impossible with God. And so the Holy Spirit works in you that you too, like Mary, may answer, behold, I am the servant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. And so the Word is made flesh in the womb of the Virgin. He is God upon His throne. For His rule is to serve. In Christ, there is no contradiction between being King of all and servant of all. There is no contradiction between being born to establish a kingdom and yet also casting down the mighty from their thrones. For He does indeed scatter all the thoughts of the proud, cast down the mighty from their thrones, sends the rich away empty, But he does all this in order that all of us, together, might be exalted with him, lifted up upon the cross. For there on the cross, Jesus reigns as king and works in his mighty power to make whole all our ills of flesh and soul. That's not the way, not at all, the way that you and I do things. And that is one more sign that this then, this thing that God is doing is very good. That he makes all things new. He banishes the darkness and overthrows all that oppresses and enslaves us. He brings, yes, your ways and my ways and all the ways of the world to nothing. But he does so that we might live in his way. Indeed, that we might live in him who is himself the way, the true way that leads to eternal life, the way that leads to the Father, where everything is very good. To him be all the glory forever and ever. Amen.